Thanks for tuning in to Gin and Tantra. As always, please like, subscribe, and share. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave us a review. We appreciate it. In this episode, we begin to dive into the idea and philosophy of karma. We highlight paying things forward, cause and effect, nonlinear causality, and more. I enjoyed this discussion as I do all of our discussions, and I hope you will as well. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Jen and Tantra, spirituality with a twist. The podcast that takes Tantrism, Buddhism, Taoism, Sufism, Kabbalism, Shamanism, Chinese medicineism, <laughs> and all of the other isms we've been influenced by, and blends them into a tall, crisp, cool cocktail. Your spirit has been longing for. You to get together. Now isn't that refreshing? I want you to get together. Hey fellow GNTers, those of us who like our spirituality with a twist. Okay, so we are in the midst of uh, sort of the end of our little series that was Gnostically inspired. One of the things we want to do on this little podcast is talk about different spiritual traditions, maybe ones that aren't even our home base, but ones that have been inspiring for us. And I think the idea is that different traditions have different ways of saying things, and those can be sparking of new thoughts and new ideas of how you think about stuff, even if they're not necessarily your home base. And so, you know, that's the idea of what we've been doing. So we've been doing this thing inspired by Gnosticism. And uh, we're going to continue on <laughs> to the end of the fucking thing because <laughs> we've been doing it for a lot of episodes. Come hell or high water. Come hell or high water. We're pushing this fucking shit through. All right. So <laughs> we were just talking before uh, this mic started going and we were recording that, you know, this is a long series initially inspired by our interview with Miguel Connor, but that's very much in the rear view mirror. <laughs> at this point and it's become really our own discussion but it, it really i think has. it's true daniel i think it is one of the things we really want to do is like learn from different different perspectives on things and uh and they have different takes and you can be inspired by them i really think that's true don't you agree with that yeah no i definitely do i mean we were yeah i mean we were talking about this before we started recording but we'll we'll continue perhaps now as a as a bleed over if you will mm -hmm. uh or carry over that you know we are not sort of you know, we're influenced by all sorts of traditions, actually. You know, we have some that are more dear and dear to our heart, but if there's 100% available, I'm not 100%. I don't have my foot in 100% of anything in particular. And and you could certainly speak for yourself on why that's the case, but I'll speak for me and maybe for some audience members, it's important to think about this when, you know, people question you, what are your beliefs or, you know, whatever. Um, for me, I don't have my foot 100% in any particular tradition because at some point I have found value in numerous traditions that have been valuable in my life. And, and subsequently it's worth carrying them forward. Number one. And then I think the other point is that I see so many parallels in, in, in the way that they approach, not the way they approach things, but in what they're referencing, because most things that are transcendent don't have like a definitive nature that I could put language or images to very so succinctly, but that maybe if one, way of approaching it is more effective for me that is not in one lineage, but it is more in another, well, then I can at least use that step in that moment when I need it. 
as opposed to being, you know, maybe somewhat limited by my understanding of a particular tradition that I'm not completely steeped in that I haven't learned my entire life. And I'm just learning as an adult. So it's really, uh, I'm an opportunist, Eric. That's, that's what it is. I think that uh, you're, uh, you're a, uh, uh, what would you say? You're shopping the marketplace. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I think that uh, uh, I, I, we don't have to do it all. We're not going to do it all now. But that's definitely no. been the thing where I've been inspired by. I'm studying one thing, like I'm studying something in Tibetan Buddhism, which is, I guess, kind of my home base. Tantric Buddhism is kind of my home base. But I've been really affected by things with uh, Zen in the beginning part of my kind of little meditative life, and then Taoist things, and there's roomy Sufi things and Kabbalistic things. And, and I'm not like a dilettante in those things. I actually kind of go fairly deep. You know, I think if it was just like skimming over this Gnosticism meant something to me too. So, but I really have had the experience that even though maybe I'm doing this tantric Buddhism as my daily practice, there are Gnostic things that like make the Buddhism more clear for sure. 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 You know, and, uh, or sometimes like like the like we did the episodes on relationships and those are coming back again at some point we'll do, do episodes again on that stuff we're kind of overdue to go back to those subject matters but mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. you know certainly like the way Rumi describes things affected me really deeply yeah and maybe in a way that like other traditions weren't talking that stuff and they didn't yes. have anything to say or advise about that so I agree with you you can kind of go like oh I don't how should I think about this and you find that there's a very profound way of thinking from something that you're exposed to you know then awesome. And it like clarifies what you feel about the things that you're studying from all over the place. So yeah, we agree. Not shocking because we've been doing this podcast for a couple of years. <laughs> this is the idea. <laughs> if we all of a sudden find that, find that we disagree, this whole podcast might fall apart. It might. <laughs> okay. Anyways, we're good. So I mean, that's the main gist of it. So we kind of got like a Gnostic inspired series here and uh, we're at the, kind of at the tail end. I, this was kind of my thing that I wanted to talk about. And again, is always uh, interested in your opinion, Daniel. So I think if you look at like, if there's a big question, like where is the source of the problem? If you want to say that there's a problem, let's just say there's a problem, an overarching problem. What's the source? And we'll double back to it after we talk about maybe the tantric Buddhist take. But in Gnosticism, there's a source for the problem. And it comes from this... Um, this almost like, like, a, I guess you could use the word evil, you know, but there's a source of like suffering, oppression, uh, uh, subjugation, dismay that comes from this demiurge, this oppressive spiritual force within the world in which we live. And it has this power that spreads out to all of these archons. This has been the Gnostic thing, right? The uh, creator divinity that is false, only like a kind of a local a local divinity that's oppressive and probably a little crazy <laughs> and uh, his minions, but not cute little minions, like in the cartoons or whatever, like nasty minions. <laughs> nasty and, uh, uh, and so this cuts you off from the pure source of being you're kind of trapped in this little encaps- encapsulated pocket of bad kind of stuck there. So this is the Gnostic answer. And I think we'll double back to it. For me, when I first learned it, I thought, I thought, oh yeah, there's something to that. That's not like that's not true. But let's look at the Buddhist thing, and then we'll kind of like double back. Does that make sense to you, Daniel? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So in Buddhism, if you want to say there's a problem, there's a number of ways you can talk about this. But it seems like now there was a time to talk. Maybe at this point in these episodes, was a time to talk about karma, because we haven't done like a big conversation about this concept at all. Not yet. No. It's kind of like uh, been a 
rearing its kind of little karmic head here and there, but it hasn't been like we kind of talked about it in depth. And it is nothing if not a complicated subject <laughs> with lots of twists and turns in the telling. So we'll do the best we can to kind of like at least give some of the Buddhist tantric theory around this. Mm -hmm. This is kind of a little bit of a, a shout out to our stages of the tantric path series too. That kind of comes up here and there where we're talking about something specifically related to that. So this is one of these things too. So if you're like been listening to a lot of these episodes for a bit, every once in a while they'll come up again, we'll be saying, okay, this is specifically something that you'd have to learn if you want to learn the whole tantric Buddhist thing. So, all right, how the hell to talk about this? Well, I think the first thing that seemed right to me, Daniel, was to talk about big picture. So they really talk about like four different types of karma. And you can tell me what you think about the ideas once it's out there. Um, so they talk about what sometimes is called like throwing karma. And this is what tosses the person somewhere in this whole Buddhist cosmos. We did these episodes, I know, a bit ago now about the whole portrait of the Buddhist cosmos, where there's all these different places where you can live, you know, in all these different um, realms or levels or wherever you want to say. Yeah. So it's a big Buddhist multiverse and you're going to you end up in some spot of it. <laughs> now we're all on the earth living here, but you could be someplace else, you know? And so that's kind of the idea of throwing karma. On the other hand, and that's kind of like whether you're going to be a human being or whether you might be an animal or whether you might be some kind of like lower realm being where there's a lot of suffering, or you might be some high divinity, you know, like maybe you're just some beautiful ta uh, uh, tantric Hindu goddess <laughs> for a while until that's over. So anyways, this is the Buddhist idea. So you can be in all kinds of different places, do it up to all kinds of different things. So that's one thing. Then they say that there's kind of like environmental karma, which is where you're at within that general part of the cosmos overall. So, you know, we live within the realm of being a human being, but there's all kinds of different ways that human beings live, right? And you can be all kinds of different places within this whole, this whole world called the human world. And we all recognize and know it could be very like a very high place within the human world where there's lots of luxury. You could be in a very like terrible place within the human world where there's lots of deprivation and difficulty. It's a big range. So this is sort of the specifics then. And then they talk about two other things which are interesting. One is propensities that are similar to the kind of karma that you built up. So again, we're, it's in a reincarnation context. You've been building up certain kinds of dispositions and ways of being, and that has a certain momentum to it, which we'll talk about more as we go along. Karmic imprints will be the phrase. But, you know, like you built up this certain uh, mojo in this way, and then eventually, you know, this builds up certain propensities to behave in certain ways. And then you have the karma that are experiences that will naturally arise from that. So given that you've built these things up, you're going to have experiences that will be in consequence of that. So you got these four big ideas of how this works. And I don't know, I think this was helpful for me because, because this, this term is so big and it gets thrown around in so many ways. I mean, I've even reading Tibetans about this, they'll say, well, you know, in Tibetan culture, if something shitty happens to you, say it's bad karma. <laughs> but they're saying like, you know, that's even that's just like kind of a cultural thing. It really doesn't capture the idea. It's not that you just bring the word up when something bad happens or maybe you bring the word up when something good happens. It's not, that's not really like the heart of the idea. And so, I mean, I, I know for myself, certainly I wanted to give a little bit more of an overview of the whole, the whole concept. And there's some more stuff to throw around, but at least starting here. Cause I think it's a misunderstood term don't you think Daniel. Yeah, I think it is. And, and it's for me, people use it kind of as an idea of like an overarching uh, corrective force, 
you know, yeah. or, or influential force, let's say, maybe that's even better. Maybe that's more broad, you know, and that like, you do good, good comes to you. I believe this. I believe this to be the case. You do bad, bad comes to you. I also, I believe that to be the case. Now, is that the same force working its way around? I'm not sure. I mean, it just could be, you know, how someone is living or whatever, but I don't know, you know, karma is tough because I think it is misunderstood. So, you know, we'll continue to, you know. I know a lot of times in American culture, it's kind of like some political leader, choose whichever one you want, does some skeezy thing. Then they like fall down the flight of stairs and break their hip and you say, aha, karma got them back or something. Like that's what we tend to do. Right, right. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And it's sort of like, you didn't get away with it. The karma came back and like, you know, bit you in the high knee. But that's not really a very deep idea. <laughs> and not what we just are really talking no, about. That, that's, people are that's, really talking about. That's just kind of like how people it's used colloquially or something. Yeah, right? it's like it's like retributional forces. And that's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now, there's something kind of interesting about this whole deal. If you look at these four things and, you know, hopefully at the end, if you listen to this episode, you walk away with a good feeling for, you know, all the the lingo and the ideas that are thrown around by this, if you were studying uh, to get your PhD in uh, tantric Buddhism, <laughs> which they have. <laughs> People mm-hmm. get PhDs in tantric Buddhism in Tibet. So, okay. So there's one part where like you'll have conversations and things will be attributed to the Buddha and he'll say things like, well, if you want to know what your life is going to be like in the future, look at this one because it'll probably be repetitive because mm-hmm. you're building all the propensities to do probably the same stuff over again. And you can see what you think about that. But on the other hand, they do talk about the idea that you can kind of like, what would you say, blow out your positive karmic juju. Your mojo can be kind of blown. And uh, then you might kind of like not have the better qualities in the life that you have now. You might have ones that are crappier. So they kind of talk two ways. There's one where there's kind of a repetitive thing, which I think makes sense. You know, you're probably building propensities up that will be similar. And you can certainly get quotes in the Buddhist tradition, tribute to Buddha and things like that, where this is talked about. But then there's also a lot of like, certainly in the, in the Tibetan tantric Buddhist world, a lot of finger wagging about don't blow out your positive karma and just waste it. Because if you do that, then, you know, that's, that's no good. <laughs> so now from that perspective, Eric, what would they say would be akin to blowing out one's positive karma? Well, you know, if you have like a lot of possibilities in your life, like I talk with my daughter about this and my son, you know, it's the thing where if you have a lot of possibilities that have been provided for you, probably by other people, don't take them for granted, do something good with them, mm. you know, learn, progress yourself, you know, pass, pass positive things along to other people. You know, if you have the mm-hmm. opportunities to do this, we're talking about like our Pete Cadence episode. Yes. Off, off mic in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And um, Pete Cadence like, friend of the show and uh uh you know entrepreneur and just a really generous dude who goes around and he tries to raise money for good causes or give his own money for good causes but yeah he doesn't he does he tries and he does you know he's, he tries and he does for for reals for sincere he's almost like one of the people who <clears throat> slightly can say okay there is a group of people who are involved in entrepreneurialism where they're legit trying to do good Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pete's, you can have a cynical attitude about a lot of that stuff, but he doesn't for, fit for into sure. that. No, he does not fit into. No, no, he does he's not. not fit he's that. like he's his own person. Yeah. Yeah. So they're great episodes. And um, it's kind of fascinating to hear him talk about yeah. what motivates him. So anyway, so, you know, that's that's 
and I, I did do some backstory. He grew up in like, I think like a fairly comfortable part outside of Toledo or something like that when we were doing prep in the interview. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and he like used those opportunities to get more education and eventually became a very successful entrepreneurial person, probably in things that are good causes. I mean, he was involved in what solar panels and he was involved in uh, weed. <laughs> then he got, yeah, he, yeah, he got involved yeah. so, in, but, you know, in the cannabis space as they in say. The cannabis. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he did, he, you know, he was successful in products that aren't super harmful. Right. No. And he uh, also turned that around and tried to, you know, um, be generous to other people. He obviously cares a lot about racism. So he's tried to be very proactive around that. Yeah. Right. Especially involving uh, education. Right. And people who might not have as many opportunities given where they're coming from. Yeah. He's very conscious about the, 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 the gifts that he has been bestowed in this life. Oh, for sure. And yeah. he talked about in the episode too, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So that would be probably like a good example of that, right? Yes. yes. From our, like our guests. But I think a lot of our guests are trying to do that, you know, from wherever they're coming from, you get yourself to a certain space and you try to like do good for others and continue to improve yourself and so on. So yeah, don't you pay, waste you're it. Paying it forward. Where like, if you had like, we don't have to mention any names, <laughs> but maybe you came from a very wealthy family <laughs> and you became an entrepreneur and you just continued to like, try to like, plow over the people around you mm. <laughs> accumulating more and more power and wealth oh and uh you know someone might look at that and say oh perhaps that person is not making best use of their um um accumulated positive karmic uh uh reserves <laughs> they might be just blowing them out on pointless activities that involve power competition pointless sexuality but I'm not, I'm not mentioning any names. No names here. <laughs> or pointing any fingers. No finger yeah. pointed. So anyways, I think that's how they talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but this is going to be a big deal. Like when we cross it back with the Gnostic thing, I think, because I got a question about this and I don't know the answer to it. And when we get to the end of this thing, because we'll hear what you think, Daniel. It's, I'm curious. All right. The other part about this is just that things are cause and effect. So there's a definitely kind of a, I don't know, like a quasi-scientific part of this, you know, physical things have their own laws of cause and effect. Now we've done a couple episodes where we've talked about things related back to spirituality and physics, even at times, right? You know, natural world has its laws of cause and effect. And, and then there's a mental aspect of things too, that have the similar sort of continuity and cause and effect. The physical parts of the world keep on churning along. And in the Buddhist point of view, the consciousness or the spirit or the soul keeps like churning along too. And it has its own story of cause and effect. So this keeps building up. And yeah, we've done episodes on reincarnation. This continues on from life to life. But it's so karma is just kind of that pattern of cause and effect then, right? The things that happen build up a certain kind of patternness to it, right? And it can kind of continue on with the story that started. So that's one of the things about it. Which I'm satisfied with. Are you satisfied with that, Daniel? I'm so we're recording, and <clears throat> I don't know what is in my head or who is speaking to me or what. Uh, they're asking me to bring up this idea of nonlinear causality. <laughs> is that a thing? <laughs> um, nonlinear dynamics is like a chaos theory. Okay. So that's the butterfly effect. Okay. Something you do right. small might like build up and to be something big. Okay. Maybe you wanted to make that point. Maybe. Yeah, there we go. Or uh, one of your deep shamanic guides wanted to make that point. Point made. <laughs> so I think that idea would be like, 
yeah, I teach some classes on that stuff. I got really interested in that whole thing back in my undergrad days. Yeah. Because it's crazy. It has, it's like fractals too. Things repeat on different levels of scale. So there's a couple of big, I, I mean, maybe we got to do a whole episode on that. Right, but just touch for a second. <laughs> yeah, it's just for a second. So it's kind of like, it's a certain part of, um, I guess, science overall. It's not just physics. It's kind of like everything. Yeah. And there's a couple of big ideas in it. One is the idea that small things can produce big results. That's like the famous butterfly effect mm-hmm. outside of, is it Ashton Kusher in that movie? Uh, yes, I think so. <laughs> Never seen it. So have no comment, but, <laughs> but uh, they do have the movie titled that. Okay. So something small will ripple and get to be big. I think that came out of like studying the weather. They realized that a tiny little thing change in the weather could ripple to be some huge deal later on up the road. They just kind of realized that that's an interesting subject, maybe for another time, but you know, there it is. So little things you do could blow up and become big things in terms of cause and effect. And I think uh, I think the Buddhist world is totally cool with that. I think the tantric world is totally cool with that. You could do something small that might ripple, and you know you don't know where that's going to go, which I suppose makes you conscientious, right? That's the mm-hmm. hope, right? That, that yeah, makes you conscientious mm-hmm. that your own transformation would thereby have a larger effect at some point down the road. Also, somewhere. yeah, also true too. Yeah, you're hoping, uh, man, we're going deep, but you'd we're hope deep, that yeah. would have to do with like interconnectivity too. Correct. Well, and that's, and that, you know, for those people who are probably listening to this podcast, I'm assuming so. I assume just so for, for you who is listening right now, you, I'm talking to you. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Who's listening? Um, Eric, you, and also the proverbial you, uh, that you are of high intelligence and and Mm -hmm. high awareness. Okay. We don't have a huge audience, you know, just a few million. It's not massive, (laughs) right? (laughs) You know, but that like, you're probably interested in self-development, self-awareness, you know, improving yourself and your life. I mean, this is what we talk about and people listen to our, our work. And so this is what we talk about a lot. And then the hope in it, that we've mentioned before, but that on this sort of like nonlinear causality is that you would make changes internally to then hopefully create changes externally. Because we, for me, without that hope, it is kind of disempowering, actually. I feel empowered through that ability that like I can do good, create good, pass it forward, change people, and they could do the same thing and it becomes an exponential uh, snowball, you know? But that if that is not the case, then I definitely feel much more limited, you know, in, in what effect I can have on the world. Basically, I'm limited to like my hands or my voice, you know, and not just like me being who I am influencing other people based on my ability to be more compassionate and more loving and just sharing space, holding space for people, you know, like there's more than just a hammer, a nail and a microphone. Yeah. And two turntables. Mm-hmm. Also, we need, well, you need them, you know, how are you supposed to dance? Tables and the microphone. Yeah. yeah. So, um, all right. So my own experience of this you know, like if you can tell a tale around such things, there was when I was studying Zen, uh, serious Zen organization, there was this uh, student, her first name was Lori, and American woman, and she was just a real Zen, badass person. (laughs) Like she was really good. And it was sort of a known thing, like they have those Zen riddles. And um, she'd been doing it for a while. And she would just knock those things out of the park, like they were set up on a tee, and she would just smack them. (laughs) Mm. like she was really talented person and um she would be there like not all the time but would certainly be there for retreats 
I remember one she, where she was like, I can't solve this koan, this Zen riddle. And she was really like, I can't do it. <laughs> and she was looking at the Zen books during the retreat, like, what the hell? So she had her moments, but she was very talented. Funny enough, you know, Daniel, she, I think she had started with, like, her husband had started first. And uh, I think he got discouraged because <laughs> she was super good. You know, Not she just surprise. had a lot of like, she had a lot of like, just apparently like latent Zen talent to like yeah. get a lot of Zen things. Yeah. And he struggled. And I think he was like, so I never saw him. <laughs> he never came. <laughs> a little sad. Uh, but in any case, you know, she was really good. And they kind of like roped her into doing a talk, which she didn't really want to do. But she was going to talk as kind of like a student of this school of Zen, you know, student of Hosokawa Roshi, the Zen master, and kind of share some of her stuff. And she asked the exact same question that you were talking about for herself. She was saying, well, she cared a lot about the world. She was a compassionate person. Okay, that fits into the whole Buddhist tantric and all of this stuff thing, Zen thing. And she wanted to have an impact in the world. And she was like, well, how am I affecting things? Would it be more, would it be better for me to go out with a hammer and a nail and a chisel and a this and a that and try to do something that's maybe more operating on like, should we say Capricorn level? Mm, maybe that's like a Capricornian person. Practicality <laughs> like in the house. <laughs> so, um, so anyways, there was that part of it. And, uh, and she said, well, part of what happens is, so she, she asked, you know, she was talking with Hosokawa Roshi about this. And he was like, yeah, of course you can, those are good things to do. There's nothing that says you shouldn't do those things. But also it was, you're kind of counting on a kind of a energetic interconnectivity. That everything is kind of energetically entwined. Lama Glenn talks this way too, Glenn Mullen, when you listen to him, he talks yeah. about interconnectivity. So when you tweak your part of things, you, you, you create a wave, you create a ripple that will affect things beyond yourself. That's kind of the idea. Right. Is that totally true? I don't know. You know, uh, totally, totally true. I think things are interconnected. Yeah. I mean, that is true. And so it seems like the Zen or tantric idea, Taoist idea, whatever you want to say, would be the Kabbalistic idea, would be as you do things, you create an effect that pulls on the universe, right? You pull on everything from your space. And then if everybody starts doing that, then it starts to ripple. And there's a certain truth to that. So I think that's the idea. As far as like nonlinear dynamics, whatever your shamanic guy was wanting you to talk about, <laughs> they had the idea of like fractal levels of reality where every smaller reality is kind of like a little mini version of the whole, kind of like a hologram or something like that, yeah. right? So your little mini hologram, that's you or my little mini hologram, that's me, all the aspects associated with that. Uh, when we change that, we have an effect on the whole fractal because mm. we're pulling on a corner of the fractal, but the, all the fractals connected. So anyways, that's the idea. I think like studying that stuff first and realizing that was true, like in a scientific sense, that little part of science talks that way. When I learned Zen later on, I was like, oh shit, I'm primed to understand this. Right. That was, that was fortuitous karma, you might say. Right, right, right. Right. That already was set up like, okay, if some scientist who doesn't know anything about Buddhism can say that this is the case, then it's certainly possible to say that, uh, uh, you know, they're not biased. <laughs> right. They're talking this way. So when some Zen person says, I was like, well, that matches what this more scientific perspective is. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm cool. Mm -hmm. I can accept that. Mm -hmm. And then Lori's talk made sense. And I've always been really grateful for that talk. There's this funny moments. You don't know where it's going to happen, but she just gave that speech and she was super sincere. Hmm. She was like, I really want to make a difference. And I'm worried that if I just spend my time doing meditation and stuff, how am I making a difference? Shouldn't I be doing something more practically concrete? 
And then she talked it through and they were like, well, of course, do those things. But then also the other side is that you can go through and work on yourself and you're pulling on that part of it. You're, you're pulling on everything and that'll help other people move. Right. And then those other people will move and that can create more of a ripple. And that's how that's how this thing is supposed to work. That makes sense. What I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Uh, whoever was whispering in Daniel's ear. We weren't this wasn't in the show notes. <laughs> it was not in the show notes, but I think it fit perfectly, actually. It fit in. Yeah. I think maybe, you know, science and spirituality will definitely make a comeback on this little podcast at some point or another. We'll do another kind of set of episodes about that because we live yeah. in a science culture and people want to see how these things connect. Mm-hmm. And I think when the, you know, when that, when you could see, oh yeah, this does connect, you know, then all of a sudden you feel like, uh, oh, there's a more total picture reality happening here. It's not yeah. just some stuff that came from, you know, some shamans or from Asia. It's like what every human being who's thoughtful will begin to discover about things if you approach the world in a thoughtful way. All right, that wasn't expected. <laughs> but uh, thank you, shamanic influence on Daniel. <laughs> Whatever ancestor that was, or uh, the emanation of Mandrashri, or whoever the hell was doing that. Well, I, you know, oh my God. So you mentioned that. Well, it's not that, it's not that odd, but like I was doing that this morning. Mm-hmm. That's what I was, I was practicing this morning. The Mandrashri. Yep. Yeah. Mandrashri gave a little whisper in the ear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that sounded like a Mandrashri kind of a question. Okay, fine. Yeah. Uh-huh. Thanks for tuning in to the first part of our discussion on karma. For questions, insights, inquiries, or suggestions, please feel free to email us at jinandtantra at gmail. For Eric, this is Daniel. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Put your hands together one time I want you to get together I want you to get together